0: My name is Jonathan Penchoff, and you are listening to Repeating History. History, 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 history. Hello, everybody. Maybe you can tell from the tone of my voice that we're going to start this one off with a really serious message. If you guys don't like learning and you don't like having a good time, then kick rocks, nerds, because this podcast is not for you, but for everybody else. Hi, how are you guys? I hope you're having a splendid afternoon or morning or evening. I just hope you guys are in a really positive place in your own lives and and this story will just make you laugh and have a good time and really set the mood for the day. If you've been listening to this entire season, you've probably heard me say the name Herodotus something around uh, 50 times. And that's because he's the dude who this entire first season is based off of. He wrote a book called The Histories, and that is where these stories come from. It's a very, very important book because it's one of the first that's written in the style of inquiry. He goes to the places that he's talking about, and he gets the perspective of the local yokels. He goes to the pyramids and says, Yo, how the fuck were those built? And they tell him, but, you know, they tell them what they think. They say, you know, we built it one thing at a time and they built these cranes and they pulled them up. And it's like, well, I fucking doubt it because those pyramids were about as old to Herodotus as Herodotus is to us now, which is fucking crazy to think about but anyway that's a whole different story he's going there and he's finding out these places he's literally seeing some of the battlefields he at some point says that he saw the bones bleaching on the battlefield from one of these old wars that he's talking about so it's a really cool book because it's one of the first people who's taking these oral histories from these places and saying hey i'm gonna write this shit down so people in the future don't have to deal with a giant game of telephone you know And that is fucking cool. So thank you, Herodotus. That was very chill of you. Now, while some of us think this is really chill of him to do, other people think that he's just a liar because, you know, they're fucking fun sponges and they don't like to have a good time. So this podcast, like I said, is not for them. Get out of here! But anyway, I don't want to get too pumped up here. Some people call him the father of lies instead of the father of history. But I think it's more likely, and you're listening to my podcast, so you're going to get my opinion on this. I think that he probably was just relaying stories that were told to him. And sometimes they were fantastic and crazy. And he was probably maybe like, all right, that that might be true. And he just wrote it because it, it was a cool enough story. And here I am thousands of years later sharing A cool story with you. So really, who fucking cares if it's true or false? We know that most of the events he talks about have an actual historical path to them. We know that Cyrus the Great started the empire and that led to his son taking over and so on and so forth up to Darius and we know all that. We don't know exactly what the story was or what the dialogue was because we weren't fucking there, and neither was Herodotus. So he's just telling us what was told to him, and it's a good time. The book might have even been made to be performed at some point. And if that's the case, who fucking wants it to be just boring facts? That's the whole point. We want history to be exciting. People should love it because it's fucking cool. Anyway, today's story is almost certainly not true. And that's what makes it so interesting to me. Because every other story I've told you so far, like I said, has some historical backing to it. But this one, we don't have anything to suggest that it's real. Some of the characters aren't even named in it. And that makes you go, well, how could this be real? If we don't even have the basic information like someone's name, how can we accept that this is a true story? And most people don't. However, it's fucking rad, and I'm going to tell you, and we're going to have a good time, okay? It's the last story episode of the season, so let's fucking just get it. You know, let's grip it and rip it, baby. Whew. All right. Here's a story of a dude named Ramsonitis. Now, what's interesting about this story is he's the only name that we know, and the only other thing we know of him is he's supposedly an ancient pharaoh of Egypt, and we also know And he is, like, hella rich. I'm talking Scrooge McDuck rich. Richie rich rich. uh, Steve Jobs rich. The dude from Facebook rich. You get the point. He's, like, super fucking rich. He has way more money than he can ever do anything with. At some point, he has so much fucking money and goods that he's, like, I got to build a vault. I got to build a Scrooge McDuck vault. And he's going to put all his coins in there, and he's going to pretend to swim in it, even though that doesn't make any sense because coins are solid, and there's no fucking way you could do that. But when you're a little kid, you see it, and you just think to yourself, wow, that looks awesome. I really hope that I get to do that someday. Here's the bad news, dude. You're not ever going to get to do that. Anyway, that was a weird... Very specific rant about my childhood. Let's get going with the story. The dude who built this vault is just like some local townsman who the king, like, trusted, and he has two sons. And while he's building this vault, he thinks to himself, all right, I'm probably going to die at some point, and my kids are, you know, kind of worthless idiots. They're not really doing anything of value right now that's going to make them rich, so I guess being a good dad, I'm going to look out for these little nerds. The builder decides to make this really cool big stone vault for the king, but he leaves one secret little stone on the outside exterior area that can be removed and replaced without, you know, making any sort of notice to anyone else. And he does this very carefully because obviously if he's caught, it's going to go very poorly for him. So he does it. He builds it really awesome. He's a sick-ass mason. he builds it tight. When he's gonna die, because he's, he's sickly, I guess, when he's gonna die, he brings his two sons in and he says, hey dudes, alright, you guys are fuck-ups, you haven't done anything with your lives, so I'm gonna tell you a secret and I'm gonna make you guys thieves now because that's the most honorable thing I could imagine you guys could do. And he tells them about this secret vault. And the secret stone. And they're like, whoa, sick, dad. Really cool looking out for future us. And then he does die. And the kids are like, oh, what a bummer. Our dad is dead. But we should just go check out that stone right away just to make sure, right? And they go and they check it out and they open it via his instructions and slide in. And they're just like, holy shit, this is Like, a ton of awesome stuff for us to steal. And they're idiots, so they don't just take a little bit. They take a fucking bunch right off the rip. Now, these two dudes don't have names in this story. So I'm going to make up my own, and we're going to pretend that they're random, but they're not. I'm going to call them Tim and Chris, which are my older brother's names. So Tim and Chris are dinguses, and they, you know, go plunder this place and don't take it easy like their father warned them. He said, hey, you know, I built this, but I want you guys to be careful and smart about it, but they are not fucking smart about it. So after they go in and steal everything for the first time, the king goes and checks out. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why he's checking his vault so often. It seems very I don't weird. I I don't know. I guess. I guess if you have a lot of money just chilling around, maybe it's fun to just count it and like look at all the cool shit. I mean, what else is the point of having it if you can't look at it? <sighs> Okay, fine. I don't think it's weird that the king is doing this anymore. The king is checking his vault, and he walks in the day afterwards and is like, whoa, whoa. things are missing. Like, a lot of things are missing. (laughs) What? And then he goes and talks to the guards, and he's like, did you guys guys see anybody? Did anyone go in here last night? And they're like, nope, no way, Jose. We were on guard the entire night, and we didn't even fuck around. And he's like, how is that possible because there's a bunch of shit missing and nothing no one went in through the entrance what the fuck so now the king is aware that strange things are indeed afoot at the circle at at the vault he's aware that things are indeed strange at the vault and he knows that something is up so he's like okay we're gonna set some fucking booby traps Now, this is part of the reason I love this story, because there are fucking booby traps. This is like the Goonies. He sets these booby traps. He gets these really fancy jars, and I guess he puts fancier shit into them and then I imagine it's like a mouse trap. It, it clamps down or something we don't really have the details but he puts these jars in plain view so if someone does happen to go back into the vault when they're not supposed to they might see these and be a little tempted and guess what Tim and Chris are certainly tempted they go back and they try to rob this place again Which is crazy to me because if they took enough money that the king could recognize that the the vault was depleted, then why the fuck are they going back so soon? Why the fuck aren't they just listening to their dad? Just listen to your dad, kids. If you're a kid and you're listening to this podcast, listen to your parents, okay? That's the only time I'm going to say that. (laughs) Anyway... Tim and Chris go back, and they carefully remove the stone to break in, but Tim is too eager. Tim removes the stone and fucking books it. He sees these jars and is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got to go check these motherfuckers out. And he goes, and he grabs one, and he starts to reach in it, and it clamps down on him. And he's trapped. He's trapped. And Chris is still outside. Chris isn't even in the fucking building yet. And Tim is screaming to Chris being like, Oh, shit! I fucked up! I fucked up, dude! I'm trapped! You gotta come in here, and you gotta cut my fucking head off. What? <laughs> Just cut off your arm, dude. <laughs> uh, whatever. He tells, <laughs> he tells Chris that he has to come in there and cut off his head because he's trapped. And if I guess if he cuts off his arm, it'll be weird because there's a new guy with a missing arm. So, all right, fine. I'm on board with cutting off his head. But he tells Chris, you got to cut off my head because we can't be caught for this. If I'm in here and I die and my head is here and someone can identify my body and my head, we're fucked. Like, they're going to know that we're doing this as a team. We're super fucked. So just do it. And Chris protests that first. But Tim is like, can you think of a better solution? You got something up your sleeve, Christopher? And Chris is like, Nope, I guess not. So he just pulls out a fucking big old blade and shing, cuts off Tim's head and takes it with him and then seals the gate behind him, or the stone. Now, the next morning the king enters the vault, all like a you know, when you set a mouse trap and you're kind of waiting to see if you got a mouse in it. Like I just recently got um these humane mouse traps that just spring closed, and it's it's see-through, so you can see if there's a mouse in there, so you could go release it. And I've checked it every day since I got it, like a little kid coming downstairs at Christmas. I still have not caught that fucking mouse, but whatever. Anyway, Ramsonitus comes down and is checking his little mouse trap, and he finds a mouse. But he finds a mouse without a head. And he also can't figure out how the fuck they got in, because the guards are like... No, nobody came to the door last night and they're checking all around the vault and they can't find any loose stones because it's one very specific stone and and they don't know where it is so they they just can't figure out how the fuck this is happening. At this point, Ramsonitis, like any of us, Probably loses his cool. I imagine he's kicking his treasure around. It's like, ching, ching. There's coins flying everywhere and chalices. And the guards are just sitting there trying not to look at him like, okay, shit. I hope he doesn't kill us for this. We don't know if Ramsenitis was supposedly, you know, a a bad king or a good king. We don't know. So maybe he's like fucking Cambyses and he's mental. And these guards are just like, oh, fuck, we're super dead. But... What Rampsonitis does is he's like, this is some fucking bullshit, okay? And I am super not chill with it. Take that fucking body and hang it out in the streets. If you see a single person looking at that body in a mournful way, arrest them because they are undoubtedly our other suspect. So the guards follow the king's instructions and they hang the body up in the courtyard. And that day... Tim's mother just happens to be walking past the courtyard and looks up and is like, "Huh. That looks pretty familiar-ish minus a head." And goes home. Somehow she keeps it together. And she goes home and I like to think that Chris is sitting on the the equivalent of a a sofa and she goes, "Hey, I saw a pretty interesting thing in the courtyard today. It was uh your fucking brother's body without a head and and Chris is like oh yeah yeah I was going to tell you about that but uh you know I just I just forgot to I was going to but I I just didn't yet and she's like well that's pretty neat how did that happen and he kind of gives her the story you know dad gave us a secret key stone to move and get into the vault and we've been thieving cuz we're dickheads and she's like wow wow, I'm really happy that this is what my sons have turned into. And now one of them's dead because of it. Well, here's an ultimatum for you, Christopher. You go get that fucking body and you bring it back here and you bury it with the head and give him a proper fucking funeral or else I'm going to go tell the king the whole story and then you're going to pay for it too, bruh. And he's just like, mom, come on. Ah, jeez. And, you know, she smacked him with a wooden spoon and, or something of the equivalent. She took off her little chunkla and chucked it at him. Whop! I don't know. I don't know what she did, but I imagine it wasn't very nice. And I imagine it was pretty convincing because Christopher decided that he had to take his mother seriously and now he had to devise a plan to go get the body of his brother. Now, Christopher in this story is a real schemy little dude, and he comes up with a pretty good way to get his brother's body back. He takes some of his treasure and cashes it out or whatever, and he buys a bunch of wine, and he puts it in some skins, and he gets a donkey, and he ties it all to the donkey like he's a wine salesman. And he starts to walk down the street where the guards are guarding the body. When he gets to the guards, like right before it, he unties one of the bags just a little bit so it starts to leak. Yeah. <laughs> As he's walking the donkey past the guards, it's starting to drip all over, and he acts like, Oh shit, my fucking wine, my wine is dripping everywhere. And the guards, who are apparently just like dickhead alcoholics, are like, Cool, they're just like weird bullies, and they go and start stealing the wine that's dripping. And at first, Chris acts upset. He's like, Hey, don't, don't fucking steal my wine, this is my livelihood, blah, 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 blah. And the guards are probably, you know, bantering with him, being like, Well, it's going to waste, it's just hitting the ground. We're doing you a favor and then chris starts to you know play along with it and is like ah, you guys are right go ahead this one's on me i guess <laughs> what a what a strange happenstance that just gets you guys drunk right here right and the guards are idiots and as guards happen to be in all these historical stories are not aware that they're being duped chris gives them some wine and then he starts to get a little jovial with them and is like hey you know what you guys can actually have more wine than the wine that's spilling. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to drink. Let's just hang out. Let's all drink together, right? So now they're just having a weird drinking party underneath this body, which, I mean, that's that's a weird thing to do. That's a weird place to do that, I guess. But whatever. They're all drinking together. The guards start to get a little a little toasty. You know, they're getting a little twisted. But Christopher is, you know, taking it easy and just pretending he's drinking, I guess. Anyway... He lets the guards get nice and drunk and then he's like, well, you guys are fucking dickheads and he steals the body. But here's my favorite part about this part of the story. Not only does he steal the body, but but he decides he's going to shave half of each of the guards faces just to say like, fuck you guys. I got you. So while they're passed out, he shaves a half of their fucking beard off. What a fucking dickhead. (laughs) Like, these guys are almost certainly going to get in, like, a ton of trouble from the king. So just to be an extra asshole, he shaved their faces first. That's... (laughs) Classic Christopher, you know? Classic. The king wakes up to the news that the body has been retrieved right under the nose of his two guards. And he is not pleased to be outsmarted again. This time, Ramsenitus is like, okay, ah, I gotta think of a way to outsmart this guy. And he picks like the stupidest way. He, he apparently has this beautiful daughter and he's like, I'm gonna get her involved. I'm gonna send her to the local bars and, and I'm just gonna have her being, I don't know, dress scantily clad or something. And she's gonna ask all the patrons of the bar to tell them, tell her the most, like, evil thing they've done and the most ingenious thing they've done. What kind of trap is this? This is this is the part of the story where you can't help but be like, this is bad storytelling because this isn't even a, a good trap at all. The other first two were pretty clever, but this one's just kind of dumb. But anyway, this is what we're told happened. So the daughter goes to the bar and is asking all these people, and... Christopher gets word that this is happening and just cannot resist going in and playing along. So I guess, I don't know how, but Chris gets a freshly dead person's arm. I assume it's not his brother's because I feel like they would have said if it was his brother's arm, if it was Tim's. He finds just another freshly dead person's arm and cuts it off and puts it in his jacket like it's his arm. And he goes to the bar, and he starts to talk to this beautiful daughter of the king. And he's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. The most evil and most uh, clever thing I've ever done, hmm? I guess I'd have to think about it. Probably the most evil is I robbed the king, and then I cut off my brother's fucking head. And the most clever is I got his body back from his guards by getting them drunk, and I took it back to my mom. And the daughter's like, aha! I got you. And she, I don't know, tries to throw a surprise handcuff on him or grabs his arm. And he just casually pulls away, revealing that it is not his arm. It's the arm of a dead person. And he just, I guess, walks away. I don't know. The daughter's just sitting there with his arm going, oh, shit. He He duped us again, dad. And now she goes and tells her dad. And the dad is like, okay, this guy. This guy is fucking good. I don't get it. I don't know how he's doing it. But honestly, I don't even fucking care anymore. This guy's awesome. So he puts out a news bulletin that's like, Hey, if you did all these things, if you robbed me and killed your brother and stole his body and then tricked my daughter by leaving a dead man's arm with her, good for you. Please tell me who you are and I will reward you. I will give you some treasure and I will also give you the hand of my daughter. Now, for some reason chris is like yeah fuck yeah he just doesn't think this one's a trick and i don't know why because everything else was a stupid trick this seems like the setup for a stupid trick but he's like yeah tight i'm i'm fucking in and he goes and he tells the king that it was him he admits to the whole thing and here's the craziest part of this whole story ramsinaitis was not tricking him this time. Ramsonitis was just like actually in so much awe of all of this stuff that he actually just was like, yeah, man, fuck it. You bested me. You can have some treasure and you can have my daughter's hand. So now Christopher marries the daughter of the king and he's in the family so he doesn't have to steal anymore, I guess. So that's the story of Ramsonitis. And it's absolutely fucking mental and there's no backing to it at all. We don't have any any evidence that Ramsenitus even ever existed. He's mentioned more than one time in the histories by Herodotus, and that's what's so interesting about it is it's there's there's no proof that he ever existed. So that's why this story is very interesting to me is because it's almost certainly not true. But I personally don't believe that Herodotus made it up himself. I think that he was told this and he's relaying it to us. And it's cool. It's a fun story. It was really fun to tell. This might have been one of my favorite stories to tell because it's so absurd. And that that is why Herodotus is also known as the father of lies. So, I hope you guys enjoyed that story for what it was worth you know like what it actually is it's it's just a fun story don't go around telling everybody that this one you learned this really fascinating historical uh fact because it's not it's just a really fun historical story thank you guys so much for listening to this entire first season if this is the first episode you've listened to that's cool too i mean i'm just i'm just pumped you're listening Next week is going to be the final episode of the season and it's uh it's a bittersweet thing for me because I've had a lot of fun doing this and I really look forward to making some more. Next season I'm going to be talking about Alexander the Great and that one will be approached a little bit differently. It will be one linear timeline through the whole story and I'm very excited to try that out. I I hope you guys are interested. Uh you know, most people know of Alexander the Great but have no fucking idea on the details of his life you know and it's it's awesome he is a drama queen and it's fucking awesome awesome storytelling and I can't wait to tell it with you guys next week my very good friend Justin Hartman is going to be on the show with me and we're just going to kind of talk about some shit we're going to talk about the first season and just goof off and it's not really you know that important of an episode you're not really going to learn anything extra but it should be very entertaining and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you guys have not liked or subscribed or reviewed or rated or shared this with anyone, please do me the favor and do that. It doesn't take very long, and it's very helpful for these early, like, small starting up podcasts. Um, If you guys have any questions, you can find me on Instagram, Instagram, at repeating history podcast and if you have any questions you want to email me you can at repeating history podcast at gmail.com thank you guys again so much my name is jonathan penchoff and you have been listening to repeating History. History, history episode was written and recorded and produced and all that other good shit by me jonathan penchoff theme music produced by dave regan thanks for listening guys i'll see you next week